Welcome to this special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. In this special series, I'm sharing with you 12 speakers from the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I really hope you enjoy their wisdom. Hi everyone, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to our final interview for this uh, season of the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. What a beautiful way to complete our time together. Uh, let me introduce to you Kat Fowler. Welcome, Kat. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. Folks, I'm going to read you Kat's bio and then we're going to have a great conversation. Lots of things for us to talk about um, today. So let me introduce my guest. Kat Fowler is an international teacher, speaker and writer on spirituality, yoga and meditation. And she's based in New York City where there is so much yoga. Yeah. So much good yoga, but also <laughs> like so much yoga history. Place. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Through actualizing her passion for living the spiritual path and sharing her love of holistic healing, Eastern philosophy, Western psychology, yoga, and meditation, Kat inspires her students towards the discovery of their highest self. Kat has also, she's just sharing with me, taught teacher trainings for a long time. She teaches retreats uh, and she's also got some uh, new gifts coming out, some offerings for us in Yoga Land, which we'll talk about as well. Kat, great to have you. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering because I um, there was a time in my life when I would fill out my immigration card, profession writer. Uh, not so much these days, but it was a big part of my life a while ago. I'm wondering, could we start by talking a little about the writing that you've done? Uh, the yoga and spirituality writing what sorts of things have you written uh, so I publish I, I have a lot of published articles on um, the yoga journal and for a few other publications and it's mainly uh, some of the articles are yoga yoga sequences and then a lot of the other ones are it'll be like uh, 12 12 ways to protect your energy as an empath or um, <laughs> like five meditations to do like things like that. So it'll be kind of these, it's, it's a broad topic, but, um, and it'll just depend where it gets published. So I do a lot of these kind of freelance articles um, as of now. Yeah. It's probably the last two, three years. And what is it about doing that that you enjoy? Oh, I just, I love, I love getting, something out there that will be there permanently you can always reshare and I also love the response from people when I, I my favorite thing ever is I really needed that when I hear that kind of response from students or just anybody online um or I sent this to my friend and that really helped uh that to me is very fulfilling yeah I, I agree with you and I, I I talk about this often particularly regarding less about uh, articles but more about social media content and having mm -hmm. that attitude of I'm putting something out there with the intention that it can be in service to someone who needs it mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really important um, I've definitely shifted social media quite drastically in the last few years I used to primarily only post like yoga selfies or you know, whatever you felt like you had to do yeah. in order to promote your your business or to promote your classes. And at some point I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it just doesn't feel authentic to me. I don't feel like me posting a picture of myself in a yoga pose with a photographer on the other side of the lens is really like what it looks like. And 
Um, there is an element of where that it can be inspiring to new students when you see a person in a posture with nice alignment um, and that can bring you in. But then there's also this element of it, why are you like three days a week posting these different yoga poses with a random promotional event on the bottom or quote, which is kind of irrelevant to the photo. Um, Cause you know, for me, the practice really feels like it's medicine. So it's like, it, it really took away from that. So I, I stopped doing what didn't serve me. And I was like, I'm not really going to be posting yoga photos anymore. I just made this decision maybe like two or three years ago. And I do here and there, but it's very, very few and far in between. And um, now I primarily post just things that are meaningful to me, like yeah. quotes on spirituality. Um, mainly, it's a lot of quotes. <laughs> and um, sometimes it's my dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's about it. But like, it's just things that I feel that could bring um, some kind of, or evoke some kind of truth or, or question in someone's mind when they read it. And they're like, oh, how does this apply to my life? And mm. Like I said, I always love when I see either people tagging their friends in a quote or someone personally messages me and was like, oh my God, I really needed that today. Like yeah. you hit the spot. And for me a lot when I post too, I, because I meditate frequently, I really try to see like what's going on for me and what does it feel like is going on collectively in my region. And that's where I post from. So it's not just, just like, yeah, I've never, it's never random. I would never just post for the sake of posting. <laughs> I talk about yoga and Instagram a lot. I've never oh, had yeah. anybody tell me that part of their, I love this, part of their Instagram content creation is meditation. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, it's important. I mean, well, I don't meditate to on like what no, I'm going to post. Of course. Just, yeah. Like I, I'll, med, I'll do my meditation. I'll do my own practice. And I, I know like, and I'm not as good at posting on social media as I should be. I don't have a schedule. I don't have anything like, you know, like I don't do that. What I do is I'll just like really see how I'm feeling. And usually the posts that I post are the lessons that I'm personally learning in the moment that I need to hear myself most of the time, which is I think what every teacher has <laughs> an issue with. And then <laughs> I post them. Um, yeah. And so it's like, I really try to go off in the space of what is collectively going on around me and what am I feeling? And then that's how I post. And I never, it's never arbitrary or just for the sake, oh, like, that's a pretty picture. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's definitely thoughtful and aligned with how I'm feeling internally. I like it. Yeah, and I, that's I, really important. Well, I think and I, you, you mentioned the word authenticity before. We've been talking about authenticity in different, different ways all week. And um, <clears throat> I, what I like also in that you're tuning in to decide, well, what is it that I feel called to share today? It's actually just another way of breaking down, okay, this is me being a yogi and now this is me doing the stuff that I don't like because I have to because I have a yoga business. And that I think you know, if we can look more about confluence and less about you know, uh, separating things out and having an aversion to one and an affinity to the other, maybe it does that integration helps with achieving the things that kind of need to be done. Well, I think it also helps with happiness, like just your <laughs> overall level of joy. Because I, I, I got to the point where I was like, why am I part of this machine if I don't want to be like, I, why am I posting things if it's not authentic to me? Why am I doing things that I really don't feel like doing that aren't making me happy? And mm. so I just, I just really evaluated everything. This is way beyond Instagram, just in my life. That yeah. was a little, little side part of it. Um, 
and I just switched it. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to schedule these photo shoots uh, where I'm doing these crazy poses anymore, like putting my leg behind my head or like, you know, scorpion all the time. If that's not really in my practice anymore and, or if I don't feel like it's necessarily serving others, like, and I understand, like I said, the element of inspiration, but for me, um, my practice has shifted a lot. And I think what I believe in is, is it would feel very inauthentic if I'm posting photos like that, where at home, when I'm doing my practice or what I do, it, it doesn't resonate with that. That would make, yeah, there would be a big, um, yeah. It just wouldn't work yeah. <laughs> on so many levels. I think that's a thank you for sharing that. And you know, you're, you're a leader in the yoga space. People look up to you, and so sharing that message is so powerful because I know that a lot of people in my community they don't they're nervous about sharing pictures of themselves because they don't do can't do don't do whatever the fancy mm -hmm. things, or they don't have the perfect yoga body should use those annoying air finger quotes as well there <clears throat> so that you know who am i to i don't look like the cover of yoga journal so i'm not i shouldn't put my picture on there and or i don't look like all of the other yogis on instagram so i'm not going to put my picture up and by doing that it just leads to a prevalence of potentially sort of atypical uh, body representation because we don't look like that so we don't participate means there's less of what we look like we whatever mm -hmm. that you know multitude of diversity there is mm -hmm. so i love that what you're sharing that um if you, you folks if cats decided that actually she doesn't do a whole lot of scorpion or whatever in her practice anymore so it doesn't <laughs> feel connected to have that as part of her feed but let's all like take that lesson in and yeah, I mean, there's so much more to say about that. But yeah, like I feel um, what's good is now there is a lot more diversity, I think, coming out. Yes, and I think I there is so much, yeah, like body um, celebration of just all body types and all colors and all ethnicities. And I think that's so great because that's what's there. And I think, um, you know, from coming from New York, it's like we see probably a lot more diversity um, when it comes to a student body than most places in America do, with the exception of the coastal cities yeah um but yeah i understand that because i understand when people are like posting and i like thank you for for the representation like i was even this is a side note but we were watching uh commercials for the oscars and um i was noticing every person that was in a car ad it was a, a brunette woman woman driving the car and that yeah. like i don't know five years ago would always be this like probably silver-haired man who's in his like 50s oh. like white so just like it's interesting like there's definitely a big shift that's going on with that um but back to to what you're saying with the advanced poses like you know at first when i first practiced when i first started practicing a long time ago i used to associate an advanced practice with advanced poses but we all know that's not true like you could yeah. be you could come from a ballet background or a gymnast background or um whatever dance background and have all the flexibility in the world and maybe even great alignment at some point once you start learning. But does that make you an advanced practitioner? And like really what is an advanced practice? So when you see, especially the people that get really big on Instagram, there's exceptions. But like, I don't know. I'm always, I, I would never judge. I would never look at someone's yoga practice as as to the, the judge of if they're a yogi or not. And it's really not my place to judge if anyone's a yogi or not. But like truly for me, it's, are you a kind person? <laughs> like, are you 
do you have a spiritual connection with yourself? And that, that is an advanced practice. So I think it takes people that have been practicing asana years before they usually even touch on meditation. And there's exceptions, obviously. Um, But I think that's the typical route. And so, yeah, I hope that that image starts to shift as to what is an advanced practice. Nowadays. I, love, I love that. I, I go to an ashram every year and on the intake form, there's a check. You have to choose from the menu what your level of yoga, your yoga asana, your level of meditation. It's like beginner, intermediate, advanced. And every year That's I just funny. choose like, I don't know, intermediate. I've been doing mm-hmm. it for a while, but, but I, you know, I can't still check out and go into fantasy and shavasana. So I don't know, intermediate. Right. <laughs> that's so interesting and like also for meditation like what would be an advanced meditator would that be like because uh, I, I wonder is that the time duration or is that like the state that you can achieve through yeah, your samadhi. meditation I think it's samadhi is advanced oh so you have to be enlightened <laughs> to check that box <laughs> well I don't think many of us are going to check that box that's so funny <laughs> Yeah, I don't, yeah. What's the test? I'm not sure what the test is. I remember <laughs> a teacher that I really, tr- I really appreciate. He said once that um, an in, the the sign of an intermediate student is someone who knows when they need a prop and they just go get it. And I thought mm-hmm. I like that. There's, as far as asking to go, something about self awareness and and taking responsibility for your practice. I thought that, that, that I like that. Well, also there's that removal of, or lessening of the ego that <laughs> comes yes. with that yeah. too, like that aspect I of need yeah, a strap. Yeah, right. <laughs> or like on the days where you just like are like I'm exhausted. I'm not gonna do six more chaturangas. Like I'm gonna skip those vinyasas, yeah. uh, like proper no prop. But it's like if there's an ego element that I think also comes with that shedding of that that comes from a mindfulness in your yoga practice and self-acceptance so good yeah such a good conversation all right so thinking about <laughs> levels of beginner intermediate advanced one of the things that you've done for a long time is offer teacher trainings um mm-hmm. and for a lot of people uh a yoga teacher training from a business perspective actually is one of the ways that you can generate revenue for yoga studios they might sort of mm-hmm. break even with class attendance but if they offer a teacher training that that can help right. with revenue but I'm curious about, your, I'd love to know your thoughts about how do you know when it's the right time to actually offer a, decide that, uh, all right, now it's, now it's the right time for me to step into the role of teacher trainer. Because that's a big shift from just being able to teach a class. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too, because it's such a big business in New York. And I mean, now it's also online everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I don't own a studio. Um, but I, I do know what you're saying. And I feel like what I'm seeing a lot, especially in big studios, is to keep their personal costs down, they hire brand new teachers who will pretty much teach for almost nothing um, at the 200-hour level, simply because I think at the 200 level, I don't know in Australia, but um, we, I mean, we go by Yoga Alliance standards in, yeah, do you guys too? Yeah, we also, we have another one and the Brits have, okay. like every, but yeah, 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 same. Yeah, I've, I've taught trainings in Bermuda and a lot of them had um, the UK standards, which were different, but they were, they were actually a little more intense in the US, which was kind of nice to see. Yeah. Um, but so I find that, um, you know, you'll have someone teaching, I think the requirements just like for two years or something, and then they're hopping on to teach a 200 hour training. Um, and that, I mean, I think 
if you have good content, so let's just say you have a program that's been running for a few years and then you yeah. just pop in as a teacher, they could definitely facilitate that. But are they, are they going to be able to answer your questions from a place of experience? Probably not. And I, I don't think there's any like set year, like, oh, is it five years after you've been teaching for exactly five or eight or 10, like, or you taught X amount of classes. Like, I don't think you can gauge numerically what would qualify someone to teach a training. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but I do think somebody, I think what would qualify somebody to step into the role of a teacher trainer is somebody that has, number one, I think, taught enough full-time. So they they have taught full-time because that's a very different thing than teaching on the weekends or two or three classes. Um, they've taught full-time at some point in their life for a duration of time because really no matter, because you're teaching yogis not only to deepen their practice, but also to be teachers. Yeah. And just like you're saying to anybody, like you could teach somebody how to be, a, uh, how to do surgery through just listening and seeing visuals but unless you've actually been in the room there's so many things that happen that you can never prepare for and energetically that you you become attuned to that you could never prepare for unless you actually are in the room doing that work yeah so I think you need a teacher that's had some time and has also a breadth of experience like in many different populations and it doesn't mean you have to travel the world but that means you're not only teaching at a uh, high volume studio but maybe you're teaching at a Pilates place and a gym and uh, all these different yoga places, like places you could teach yoga or corporate setting where you get to see all these different populations mm. and you know how they respond and you know how to adjust your class according to demographics like age. Um, you know, if you're teaching a CrossFit, like all guy <laughs> athlete based yeah. class, like it's all going to switch. Um, and so I think teachers that have been just teaching full time large amount of different populations and that have a personal practice like currently um mm. i think those are the two main factors um i i i don't like i said i don't think there's a certain set year like oh five years after five years you're qualified to teach uh -huh. a training i think it really just it it also goes by like your why like why do you want to teach trainings and that's so important it's like for me, I felt like at some point, I really, I think most people, when they get really into yoga, it's for themselves at first. So that was for me. And yeah, yeah it was just to deepen my practice, deepen my knowledge. It was like, it wasn't, it was almost like I was remembering a lot of stuff, even though I was learning it a lot for the first time. Cause I do believe this is not the first lifetime we come to this practice. Like it's not ever the first, if something we really love it or it's familiar to us, mm. it's for a reason. And, um, so when I started really getting into it, then it, it came to the point where I accumulated a lot of knowledge and I was teaching and I was teaching, but, and I, and you know, I'd get good reviews on my classes, but I'm like, if it's just me going into the class and teaching this class, that's not really going to like, if, what if I can't be there? What if I want to take time off and I still want to spread that, mm. that kind of feeling that I get. So I started doing a lot of trainings. I started doing a lot of mentorships. And I really find mentorship very effective um, once people get out of the 200 yeah. hour level, because then you can really, it's like a custom tailored training yeah. for a teacher where you can see their potential and you can also see their strengths and their weaknesses and really work on balancing the two. And, um, and then so that they can facilitate the class that is best for them. And so that students can enjoy it. And whenever I work with mentees, I always tell them, 
what did yoga give you? And that's what you want to give your students. Now let me help you refine how to do that in a really smart, intelligent, and safe way. Um, and because each teacher is going to have a different different mo mission, like a different motive yeah. Yeah. Um, according to what the practice did for them. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I, and I also like that, I, I wonder, I know for me, I joke about how I taught cat-cow backwards for the first two years of being a yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the, the very edge of how shit I was at the start, which is like, I'm okay with it, but I was rubbish. Um, and, and part of the reason why I was rubbish is because it took me that long to find my own voice. I was trying to be my 200-hour teacher trainer. And what I love that you just shared then about the mentorship and how you help people come back to what is their message and what do they want to share, I feel like that would be a very fast way to get to, okay, I have this, I have my teacher behind me and this wisdom, and now when it comes through me, it gets to be mine. It doesn't have to take as long as it took me. I really think that that's powerful. Yeah, well, two things is when I first started teaching, I was the same exact way. I I used to demonstrate my classes with my class, like do the class with my class. Yeah, yeah. And not articulate the words and like left and right. I just, it was like, I was like, oh my God. And I remember, because I, you know, my first training was in New York City and it was just all these actors, like all these people that were like acting for a living. And so like, it's just easy for them. They just have a script and they just get in front of the room and they just like, you know, can, oh, can learn their lines. Yes. And I just remember being like, oh my God, this is the hardest thing ever. It took me probably like six months to stop demoing while I taught in order yeah. just to articulate. So yeah. like, yeah. So I, whenever I, whenever someone gets really down on themselves when they first start teaching, cause they're, <laughs> it's just really hard for them. I'm like, it, you'll be just fine. Like, just keep doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. And, um, and what were you just saying? Just about identifying your authentic voice and, and yes. teaching as yourself. Yes. Um, and also with the mission, like when I work with different mentees, I'll have, that's what I always ask them. Like, what did yoga give to you? And I sometimes will work with one person at a time. Sometimes it'll be three to four. And I'll have, let's say, three men, women in front of me. And one will be like, I just love how much fun I have when I practice. And I just love how I get to let go and like be free. And I'm like, okay, so give that. And her class mm. had a lot of techno, <laughs> had a lot of like high intensity athleticism to it. And then I'll have another one that's like, yoga helped me heal from my back injury. And I find it to be a very healing practice. So I like to create that space. So her class is a very different class than, you know, person A. Yep. And then like the next one will be, um, I don't know, it could be anything, but it just, what yoga gives to us is as a student is what we're, I believe the most powerful thing to give to our students as teachers mm -hmm. and doing all the trainings and doing all these things is just a way to refine that message and give it properly. You know, it's not, if you know your why, I think it'll be delivered even whether you have a really great sequence or an okay sequence or really great playlist or an okay playlist. Like if you have that met that mission and it's very clear and it's also in service to your students and their experience, it'll come through very clear, whether you're a brand new teacher and it's like, uh, it's so-so, or you've been teaching forever. Like what matters most is why you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And, and it, for any, anybody who's still resolving sort of scarcity thinking about making their way in the yoga industry, I think if, you, if you're coming from the place you're speaking of, it just eliminates that fear of competition because no one else can 
we could all teach the same class and my class is never going to be the same as yours. Yeah, even if we literally taught the same sequence. Like in Bikram, you go to a Bikram class, yeah. it's all the same, but the classes are going to be very yeah. different. Yeah. Across the yeah. And it's, you know, I'll get that a lot of, you know, on the 200 hour level, students will come up to me um, and they'll be like, I just don't even feel like I should start teaching or that I should even try to go put myself out there because there's so many other teachers in New York that have so many trainings or they've been teaching for a long time. And I always say to them, yeah, but nobody has your personal life experience that you're going to be bringing to the class. Yeah. Whether it doesn't matter your age, whether you're 20 or, you know, however old, like there's something because a lot of times we like, you know, kind of hate on the younger teachers and they're like, oh, you know, stop giving the Dharma talks. But the same <laughs> Like they have some wisdom to them that we probably or the youthfulness that maybe we've been teaching for a long time don't yeah. have anymore. Yeah. So it's like everybody has something to offer. Everybody. Yeah. So super, super beautiful. I want to loop us back to the uh, uh, we, that's a glorious tangent and coming back to this idea of how do you know when you're ready to teach a teacher training? Because I think you talked about <clears throat> teach different groups of people, teach a little, teach a lot. Um, but I think there's also something else here in that you could be a great yoga teacher, but that doesn't mean that you're great at training people on how to teach because actually it's a whole other skill set. Being an adult educator is different from can you sequence a great class? Can you, can you pinpoint anatomy misalignments? Can you pull together an amazing playlist? That doesn't mean that you can actually convey information well. And I wonder if, you know, or, or put together a manual that makes sense, or God help me, <laughs> PowerPoint slides that aren't the whole freaking Ramayana on a PowerPoint. <laughs> there's a whole, there's the skill set of actually being able to train people, which is mm-hmm. not to be taken lightly. What, not everyone's great at that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. For me, I felt very comfortable into that role because I personally assisted a lot of teachers in That's training a for yeah. a very long time. Yep. Um, one of my teachers was uh, Tiffany Cruikshank from Yoga Medicine. Yeah. I studied with her since 2009 and assisted her trainings as well. And so just in the fact of like assisting, I don't know how many advanced trainings um, I'm learning, but I'm also like, you're learning also how to teach because she's an teach. amazing teacher. How to be a tra- yeah. And I also, yeah. And um, another teach I said I've studied I've done over like 16 or 17 trainings um but all of the teachers I think that I've studied with have I've learned something from when I came from the lens of not only a student but also as a teacher like um even down to some of the newer teachers that I've learned from that are probably around my age um more recently I took a restorative training and you know she's came from a Buddhist perspective and handled her training in a very different way. And I, I enjoyed it. I was like, Oh, I, I think that's really sweet how she handled that. And I would probably incorporate maybe just a little bit of that into the way I teach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it, it, a lot of how you teach also comes from when you're learning your awareness of that. Um, and it's just also experience. Like, you know, it's, it's like trial and error. Like if I looked at the first <laughs> training or, or manual that I put out, I probably, yeah, I'd probably be like, Oh God, each time you edit it each time you refine it you make notes and and so it's like just with time it gets easier and easier for sure but I'm sure everybody says that like if you look at the first class you taught you're like dear lord or like the first year that you taught or the the same thing teaching is its own 
practice <laughs> teaching trainings as well i'd say yeah yeah but i but i love that you said that part one of the ways to do it is to be to assist on other teacher trainings mm -hmm. i mean what a great way to it's learning on the job it's great well yeah and then you're also you're not just as a student you're behind the scenes in a way yeah. and you're you're learning the admin kind of part of it and i think also just what people don't realize too is the content creation takes so much time in comparison to the actual hours in the room. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So like, there's just things that you learn along the way. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you see if this is a good fit for you. Cause it, I don't know why, but I do think a lot of people they're like, Oh, I, as soon as they get out of 200 hours, they're like, I want to teach trainings. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh man, like that, that for me definitely was not even close to what I wanted for a long time. And then eventually it felt like I really wanted to pass the torch mm. and just like, it's all here. Why? Like, it's not serving everybody if it's all here. And it's only when I go into the room that it helps people. Like it would be so much better if I can, what I think is spread quality information um, when it comes to yoga and the, the specific trainings that I'll teach to let's say 25 teachers or 30 teachers. And then they can spread that into the room or to their fellow teachers and then that just keeps growing and I think that's so great when it's quality because um, I don't think we find that too much because there's no kind of control over the quality anymore <laughs> or no. I guess there never really was <laughs> and I think that I don't know I don't know if you agree with this cat but I think I mean I, I think I was very fortunate in that I just the first 200 hour training that I chose happened to be high quality but I had no idea I it was just I had a re I picked up the postcard. It had a resonance for me. I signed up and I took it. And the faculty was incredible. But I, I had, I mean, I didn't even know who Mr. Iyengar was when I signed up for my first 200 hour teacher training. Like I'd come from Shivananda where I thought, doesn't everybody do yoga nidra every class? Like I had no idea. I didn't know about <laughs> well, Shivananda. Is so awesome. I mean, Shivananda is so different. I love Shivananda. <laughs> Dharma came from Shivananda. His yes. guru Shivananda. So a lot of his stuff was influenced from that. Um, yeah is very it's very I love it's very classical and you don't see that as much but like I had the opposite experience my 200 hour the first one no, no bueno <laughs> like, <laughs> like I left and I don't think I actually knew properly what sun a and sun b were like I knew sun a I don't think I knew the traditional aspects of it so because I, I just really loved yoga and I just knew I had to teach I would spend so much time studying this stuff. Like I would take Ashtanga classes. I would take workshops. I would take all these different styles of yoga. So I would learn because I was like, that information was not given to me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just funny. And like now, obviously at the time, any kind of information on yoga, you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But looking back on it, no, it wasn't great, but I think it served its purpose because it really ignited my curiosity and my research and, um, brought me deeper into me studying myself with other teachers and in New York there's so many good teachers um, especially a lot of the pioneers in New York yes. they're still around yes so I studied a lot with them at some point and you just I always like I was just trying everything it's like if you you know you're just trying all sorts of cuisines and then you find oh this really resonates with me and so does this and so then I start to hone my direction very clearly mm. um, and then finally integrated all of the styles that I really liked I love it we you know indirectly we've talked about sort of lineage and um, throughout our conversation about mentorship about you know studying at the at the foot of your teacher about blending together different 
um, traditions and methods. I think that's a really beautiful part of, uh, of, of the yoga tradition is that recognizing what's come before us and being a conduit for that in some way. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, um, yeah, I think every teacher is going to be a blend of what they've studied. And then mm-hmm. also that plus themselves yeah. and their personal practice. Yeah. So it's like, it's every person has a different lens. And so even if, like I said, like we all did Bikram or Shanga, which is a set sequence, it's going to come through a different lens and it's going to be taught differently. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, it is important to really, and I always, whenever I do mentorship, I give them this list of like 15 styles slash teachers to take um just so they try everything and then they they form their own opinion on it i'm not going to give them my personal opinion on oh i like this studio i don't like this style i like this teacher i don't like i think that's all subjective um i think you know there's some things that aren't subjective like quality of class like when it comes to alignment or things like that safety Um, yeah right but music subjective energy of the teacher subjective to your experience and yeah. so I really think it's important to study all these different lineages and then you pick from what you like and you take what you like and you discard what you don't and then once you go through that process and I think it's good to do refreshers now and then then it's about applying it yourself on your mat and, mm. and your practice and then creating your own thing mm. you know, creating your and I'm not saying brand and create your own style of yoga but I mean create what really works for you which is that fusion of those things plus your personal energy and what you like mm. you know because like a lot of the styles that have been created uh like forest yoga laughing lotus yoga dharma yoga all these styles are just a teacher well dharma is a little bit different because it's very traditional from shivananda but like all these other ones um a bit but like all these other ones are just these teachers that are like oh this really works for me and my body yeah and this is my style yeah. And then people are like, oh, that style with the forest yoga really resonates with me because it, it helps release tension in my neck. I feel like I'm stronger. There's so much alignment focus. And then they're like, I'm, I'm the forest yoga person, you know, or like yeah. I'm a laughing lotus person because I love moving a lot or whatever it is. Um, but it all really came from this teacher that's very dedicated and they created their own style because they were just truly authentic to what works for them and they presented it to the world. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying we all have to create our own branded style. I just mean like, as a teacher, you, you give what you end up doing ideally on your mat. You're not just, and the thing is when we have newer teachers, a lot of times it's just regurgitation of information and yeah. classes. But um, once you've been practicing for a while and once you've taught for a while, I think finding your voice, like you said, or just you get a little more comfortable just offering what you do at home, what's true to you. Yeah. Um, it's so beautifully put. I do remember when I, I do remember going to a class at, with Dharma Mitra and um, in New York City, and the <laughs> it's a wacky space. It's wacky, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's changed a lot. Like, he had another space a long time ago, which was a tiny little temple uh, on the east side, actually, of Manhattan. Um, now he moved to the west side, and it was a very different vibe. And it's definitely switched. And I mean. I always recommend people to try Dharma. I know it's so different now. You have um, to go. Oh my goodness. Also, yeah. I think he's like, what is he like 80? I don't, I don't remember. He's like 79 or something. Like, it's just like, it's amazing. You're learning from a legend in a way, like somebody that's just been in this space and dedicated his entire life to yoga. 
Um, but yeah, it is like, it's a little over the top, but what I do appreciate about that style is I find that unlike most other asana classes or styles that it does incorporate almost all of the limbs. Yes. Whereas in of yoga, whereas in for most classes, it's asana, maybe pranayama, maybe, uh, and maybe chanting. Uh, Mm -hmm. and like, yeah. And maybe like, what is there meditation at the end? I don't know if two minutes counts. So like (laughs) maybe it counts, but like, I think like there's, there's this classical element to like Shivananda or Dharma styles, um, that do try to incorporate all of those, those limbs. Like they focus on getting you to, to go up that ladder a little bit more than I think more other, uh, most other popular styles. Yeah. And I also just really think you should go, oh, obviously go to Dharma because it's Dharma Mitra, but also just because the decor is interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I love him so much. Like, the, like I always tell this, and this is obviously private, but I, I'll just share it because I think it's sweet. Um, the very first time I saw Dharma actually at a conference, it was just at a conference. Um, I We made eye contact and he like did it on the day and I just started crying. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, why am I crying? And it just felt like a, almost like a family, like a grandfather or a family member that I just was re- like reuniting with. And a lot of people that studied with him for a long time say that that happened to them too. Mm. Um, so I love him so much. I totally understand because I've also, I've been to all the studios in New York, especially like, you know, now the culture is like play hip hop and like have a blacked out room and like crank it up to a thousand degrees and like, you know, whatever, like, so I understand what's popular, and I also understand, like, what's not, but I just, yeah, I just appreciate him, and his, his style, and, and also, like, there's something funny about that studio in particular, because they have these really soft, cushy mats, yes, the floor, everywhere, which is hilarious, I know, but it's, like, it's funny, because that's where, actually, I learned a lot of how to do inversions at first, because I wasn't afraid to oh, fall, because oh, yeah. I was, like, whatever, like, if I fall, I'm not really gonna hurt myself, and so, yeah, there's pros and cons to everything, and I I totally know. And whenever I um, I heard I heard now he uses I think because he can't practice as much uh, like a projector when he teaches, so he will show his like poses. Oh, amazing photographs. Yeah, oh, from the poster oh, or the book. Yeah, the book. Um, so yeah, so a lot of people, you know, obviously new teachers will be like they'll have their opinions on him and the sequencing, and I totally understand, especially the sequencing because it's very intense. But I think you could learn so much oh, from someone like that. Totally, uh, totally. Even though it's very out of the comfort zone and the norm <laughs> anymore. I, but I think I love that you said about here's 15 things, go try them all. I think we should all be doing that all the time. I always say, like, go to all the classes, go to everyone's, go to the shitty ones. Yeah. Go to the, like, I go to, I freaking hate yin. Sorry, all of you yin people. <laughs> look at my face. Obviously, I need it. I know yeah. you don't need to tell me. I, that's why I hate it. Um, but it's, it's how you stay. Like, I think I've learned as much from crappy classes as I have from good ones going, Ooh, right, you learn what not yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think you need to, like you said before, like you need to keep eating all of the cuisines, eating from the buffet. Mm-hmm. In the beginning. And then at some point you don't need to anymore. I think like you can oh. keep refreshing yourself like refreshers. But I've got, I mean, at least, and maybe this is not like great advice, but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, if I know what I like, yeah. like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to that. And if it's that over a chance of maybe what's this re- refer to food 
eating something that I, I know I will not like, then I'm definitely going to go for the dish that I like. Um, but at the same time, like I do try to keep an open mind and, um, you know, try different styles. Like I've tried probably almost every studio that has like, if you could Google in New York at some point, now there's a lot of new ones. Um, I don't personally love hot yoga, so I don't take a lot of like the heated classes. Mm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think it's really interesting also just to see what's like, what is popular. Cause that also yeah. tells you a lot about the population that you live, you live in and where they're at and how, and then you, and then for me as a teacher, I think, how can I meet them in the middle with what I want to offer and what they want uh, yeah. typically? Yeah, because yeah. the New York population is very intense, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't last very long. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time, um, and I'm so grateful for everything yeah. that you shared, but could, but could we finish with this? Could you give us a bit of a call to action, Kat, about making time for our own meditation practice? Like, I think that yeah. this is something that we, it's just too easily pushed, there are feet, Fiends who do it all the time and love it. But for most of us, yes, yoga, it looks like yoga asana, even as teachers, remind us why we should be doing this. Okay, I think, yeah, I think especially for yoga people or yoga teachers, um, I'd say, I don't know a percentage, but I'd say a very small amount of us actually have a meditation practice at home that's steady. And I think that takes a lot of maturity and a lot of courage because in a meditation practice things come up that are definitely difficult to see and I think you can bypass that through an asana practice you can push yeah. through or and you could definitely like there's so much medicine in an asana practice you can definitely get a lot of emotions out clear a lot of energetic blockages in your body but there's something the stillness that isn't necessarily achieved when holding postures even if you're still in the posture and um as a teacher, I've found that I've become way more clear on what I want to offer once I started meditating. I also became way more grounded as a human. And if you're walking into a room and you're about to facilitate an experience in front of however many people and you're not personally grounded, there's no way that's going to go well. <laughs> like, mm. There's no way. And, you know, you don't have to be like the most Zen human in the world to be a yoga teacher. We all, I think, are pretty crazy. And that's why we love yoga. Because like, we're actually, and we're courageous because we're, we're here to work on our stuff. We're not running from it. But I find that like, if like asana would be like level two of like that spectrum and meditation is like out of a 10 scale, eight when it comes to mm. starting to actually work on yourself mm. and and really become clear and like I know we're short on time but just one of the things that I, I remember hearing is like I think yoga and when I say yoga I don't mean asana I mean the science of yoga like the, you know everything with yoga as a teacher we're all like it's let's just say it's water and we're faucets and the more you meditate the more clear your vessel will be and you can give and facilitate a more clear experience of what you're trying to convey with the more that you meditate because you're working with not only your mind, but your spirit. And I think asana gives you that, but only a taste. And when you start to meditate, you'll actually understand it. There's a depth to the practice that unveils itself, but only when it comes to stillness, only when it comes to actually taking the time to sit with yourself and, and just be still. 
<laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. If that's not going to inspire people, I don't know what will. Absolutely beautiful. Folks, you've got to, Kat has a retreat coming up in April. Tell us about it. Yes, I have a retreat coming up in April at Kripalu and it is all about, it's a detox and wellness retreat and yoga retreat. So we'll be doing meditation, yoga, pranayama daily. And really the best part about this retreat is there's lots of downtime. Um, and so there's also a journaling and a nutritional component. And the hugest um, thing is going to be eliminating things. And so I like to do this on my own every year, but now I'm really excited to offer that mm. to students. And part of it will be technology detox. Part of it will be a nutritional detox and not in like a scary sense, but in like a, let's just see what we can live without. And so we are not distracting ourselves as much and let's just have some downtime in nature or alone or, you know, with the group or whatever you'd like. And just to really reset mm. and, you know, it's, it's a, I'm very excited for it. <laughs> where can we, there's a button here, but for people who are listening to us on the podcast or somewhere else, where can we find out about your retreat? Oh yeah. Catfowler.com and it'll be on the retreat tab. Yeah. All the information is there. And I also post um, a lot of that on Instagram as well at Catfowler. Great. And we're going to go follow you because you're modeling what it looks like to feel great about what you do on social media, which I'm, so glad that you raised that for us. And you did, you mentioned to me before we got going that you also have another offering coming up. Did you want to give us a little sneak? Oh, yeah. And very soon I've been recording um, and I'll be posting some guided meditations on my website. And because that to me is like, that's my jam. And when it comes to meditation, I think um, the biggest thing, especially for new people that are new to meditation, whether you've done asana for a long time or not, is that there's many different styles in the same way that there's many different styles of yoga. Hmm. And so I try to offer that. Um, and that'll be coming out soon, just different styles of meditation, cool. um, like kindness, meditation, mindfulness, just Vipassana, just meditation, uh, like straight <laughs> stillness, um, mantra, all, all the different, wow. there's many more than that. Um, because I really find, especially when I work with private clients or students that, when they try a class or they try a, an app or something, if they don't like it, I'm like, keep trying, try something new. Like there's so many styles and you'll find one that you like in the same way with yoga. Yeah. Um, and there's so many teachers and you'll find a teacher that you like, yeah. but just getting somebody to meditate, I think is great. So <laughs> that's it. why, yeah, that's why I'm offering that. Uh, they sound great. They sound great for people to, for, for this community, for folks joining us, they sound great for things to use, but they also sound like incredible teaching resources as well yeah yeah it's really it's so important and a lot of times when I work with mentees and they have to teach meditation at the end of class or they want to they're like how do I do that I wasn't taught how to do that in training mm -hmm. um you know and you're not really and and I just tell them meditate yourself first and then whatever you're doing when you meditate start to verbally guide your students through that because everyone's going to meditate a little bit differently. And if you feel really lost and meditation is agitating to you, then go to some different courses, like take some different meditation classes or do some different apps and really, you know, try, try everything until you find what you like and then start teaching it. Otherwise don't teach it. <laughs> if you don't meditate, <laughs> don't teach meditation. Yeah. If you don't practice yet. asana, yeah, don't, yeah. don't teach asana. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's just, yeah. I love it. That's, that's just, that always makes me think of Padmasana. There is, Never been, right. nor will there ever be a Padmasana lesson with me, not with this film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> That's been super fun. You've been the perfect guest to conclude our speaker series. So thanks so much for joining us. Go follow her everywhere, folks. Check out that retreat. It sounds amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to talk. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. That is the completion of the Business of Yoga Speaker Series round five. Thanks so much for joining me these past days. I'm really grateful for all of the feedback, all of your comments. Uh, it's been lovely hearing from all of you along the way, who you loved, who triggered you up the wazoo. I'm always interested in that too. Thanks for joining me over a very hot summer period of recording. <laughs> been sharing a little bit of uh, country Australia weather with you all. Folks, if you have enjoyed the speaker series and uh, you would like to keep a hold of these recordings, we've also, um, in addition to making the video version, we also have all of the audios uh, uh, saved as uh, MP3 files. If you want them, uh, just send me a message on Instagram and I'll, I'll send you a link. Uh, free but if, if you're more of a uh, person who likes to listen we will be putting them up on my podcast so you can get them there but if you want all of them right now just uh, dm me on instagram at amy yoga biz coach is my instagram and uh, we can hook you up with the folder uh if you would like to keep uh inspired following me listening to some of my yoga business wisdom do make sure that you subscribe to my podcast. It's called Abundant Yoga Teachers and you can get it on Apple Podcasts and some other Android things that I apologize. I don't know what they're called. It's like Amy trying to teach vinyasa. If I tried to teach vinyasa, everybody would pass out. I just kind of can't. You know, I'm an alignment person. So I'm, I, I'm not an Android person. You know what I'm talking about. But search Abundant Yoga Teachers and uh, enjoy. And uh, yeah, keep the comments coming in. I'm loving hearing from all of you people who are replying to my emails. Thanks so much. And uh, connecting through the other guests. We like to do these series a couple of times a year. So if you have uh, a teacher that you'd love to learn from, let me know. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can get them on for you next time. Or if you are working in the yoga industry and you have a business or a yoga brand or a yoga product or you're a yoga teacher uh, who offers yoga teacher trainings and you'd like to be a guest at a future Business of Yoga series, also reach out. Love to hear from you. Let's finish it up by just saying namaste. Thank you so much for being here and uh, celebrating all things yoga teacher life with me over the past week or so really has been an absolute pleasure thanks for supporting me in uh in the work that i do and uh keep in touch don't forget if you want the audios of the series hit me up on instagram i'll send them over to you take care if you've enjoyed these interviews and you're interested in having my support as your yoga business coach, check out the information about my coaching package at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash coaching.